Welcome to the Selfmaker Show. This is your host, Connor Lynch. This is an interview for my personal archives. Enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to the Selfmaker Show. This is your host, Connor Lynch. Delighted to welcome Dermot Hanrahan. Thank you very much. For a man whose fingerprints are all over Irish media, Dermot, you keep a very low profile. I was doing some research and at the top of my Google searches was a, you know, an old article, I think it's about five years old, which said that uh, your collective media interests were now radio, online publishing, web development, both online and cinema advertising, publishing and web development. Um, are you at all of these things still and what else are you up to? I am. I think that's still a comprehensive list. Um, I don't know if you've got digital radio in the UK in the list. Um, uh, we are, we're also involved in, um, believe it or not, Europe's only children's radio station called Fun Kids FM in London, um, which targets the under eights. So, you know, sort of Dennis the Menace doing the breakfast show and mm. stuff like that. Lots of postman patent and so forth. So other than that, I think it's a fairly comprehensive list, yeah. Great. So um, I must pass that on to my niece in Finland. I'm sure she'd love to check out that radio. Yeah, that radio, well, you that can radio hear, it on, hear it online. Kids love it and parents love it because kids love it. Yeah, it keeps them entertained. Yeah. Uh, so can you maybe tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you ended up with this fantastic collection of diverse media properties? Um, a combination of accident, luck and age, I think. <laughs> Probably, that's the shortest answer I can give. Um, I got into media by accident. Um, I was working in a retail business when shareholders in my retail business were having a problem with a radio station in which they had invested and they'd parted company with their CEO, so they needed somebody to mind the shop for a few weeks while they worked out what to do next. That janitorial exercise turned out to be a 14-year uh, experience during which I relaunched that radio station uh, from what it was then, Rock 104, rebranded it FM 104. We, it took us about three years to get it to number one in Dublin, which it still is after all these years. It's been pretty well number one now in Dublin since 1996, um, having taken the mantle off Dennis O'Brien's 98 back in 96. Um, that involvement in radio then took me into further radio projects, so I was a co-founder of News Talk, uh, Radio Nova, 4FM, Red FM and Cork, um, still involved in Red FM and Cork, we're having tremendous success there, um, and uh, Radio Nova in Dublin, which is flying. Um, during when would this have been? I guess mid-90s. In my personal life, I was a bit of a geek and I was an early adopter of um, sort of internet activity. Um, you know, I was one of the few people who used a 16K modem plugged into a telephone socket to uh, connect with the internet. Um, so I was messing around with the internet very early and because we were running a very profitable radio business 
I've persuaded my fellow shareholders that this internet thing is going to catch on and there could be uh, opportunities in it. So in the mid-90s, um, I and the radio station FM 104 invested in an ISP called Club Internet. Well, it had two names, Club Internet for consumers and MediaNet for corporates. Um, and we sold that business along with some friends of ours, Stuart Fogarty and Tom Kelly. We sold that business um, for a very attractive price after about two years. So that was still in the 90s. Uh, we sold it to a Nasdaq-based company who were going to aggregate ISPs across the world. They thought there was a business model there, proven to be incorrect, as it turns out. Um, and they ultimately disappeared in a puff of smoke, but not before the check cleared. Mm. So we made a few quid out of that. Um, then I, in my in a personal capacity and with my fellow shareholders in radio, we decided to um, embark on further digital projects. So we uh, invested in a web development company, Fusio, which I'm still involved in. But Fusio in those days, web development was in its infancy, so business was sporadic. You could have a busy month and then a quiet month. So to keep everybody busy, they decided to build their own website for their own entertainment more than anything else, uh, coincidentally called Entertainment Ireland, now known as Entertainment.ie. So we invested in that way back, well, I think about 99. <coughs> and... Um, we subsequently split it into two separate business units. So Fusio headed off into the future simply as a web development and app development business. Entertainment.ie continued mm -hmm. as a web publishing business. Um, also in the 90s, myself and Stuart Fogarty and Tom Kelly, who had been working together in the ISP, we reckoned there was going to be advertising on this internet thingy that was coming along. Uh, so we set up Ireland's first digital ad agency, ICANN. Uh, now, I learned an important lesson there. It's important to know what's coming next, but sometimes it's important not to be too early into a business because um, we were ahead of the market there and we were right, you know, digital advertising was going to be the future, but not yet. So we sold out of that. Uh, again, we got a good return on our investment. We sold for a lot more than we put into it. <coughs> and I think we were gone out of there in 2000. Um, then what happens next? Um, News Talk would have been set up probably in 02 as was Red FM. Um, in 04, we sold FM 104. Uh, we sold it for 30 million to Scottish Radio Holdings, which was good fun because when I went in all those years beforehand as janitor, when I realized how bad things were in, in the business, and thinking I, I was only going to be there a few weeks, I persuaded the shareholders that we should try and sell it, and we did. And I flew to Glasgow to meet Scottish Radio Holdings and I offered them the radio station for a million and they turned it down. Mm. And the very same people bought it for 30 million uh, all those years later. Um, 
It must have been very satisfying. Absolutely. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> so, um, they... I left F104 after that transaction. Um, as part of that transaction, they picked up various internet investments that we had, like entertainment.ie, um, and they really didn't see a future for them in digital. They saw themselves as a radio company. They didn't understand digital. So they uh, agreed to sell the digital assets to myself and another investor. So we um, hugely increased our shareholding in entertainment.ie. Then uh, what happens next? About, um, yeah, entertainment.ie, we reckoned we needed a strategic investor who could help with deep pockets, who could help us with marketing. And we persuaded the Irish Times group to buy in. They bought 30% of the company. They're still in entertainment. Um, and during those days, the ad revenues for entertainment came from pretty well the only substantial, very large digital sales company in the country, which was Sales Online. And um, the more I looked at it, the more I realized, you know, digital is growing growing fast and going to grow even faster it's going to be the biggest medium and it struck me as absurd that there really was only one large player in the digital advertising sales space sales online so I came up with the idea of setting up uh, a digital sales house to compete with sales online um, with a view to bringing entertainment.ie in as the anchor tenant uh, it turns out the Irish Times had a similar idea so at first, it looked like there was going to be a tug-of-war over who'd sell entertainment.ie. And in the end, we decided rather than competing with each other, we'd set up a business in common. So Electric Media Sales was set up, joint venture between me and the Irish Times. Um, within about a year and a half, we had probably grown to the same size as Sales Online, at which point we got into discussions with the owner of Sales Online and we bought them out which meant that Electric Media was now the biggest digital sales company in the country, uh, which it still is. Um, and I think, oh yeah, that brings me up to 2008. Then in 2009, I bought Carlton Screen Advertising from ITV in London. Um, Carlton had been a UK and Ireland company the Irish business had never run as a separate business before. It had been simply been the Irish office of a UK business. And when they um, restructured the UK business, they really didn't have a purpose for the Irish piece of the business, so I bought it. Um, and when we bought it, there was... Uh, Carlton had 85% market share of cinema advertising in Ireland. Um, simply by pitching for the remaining contracts... Um, in competitive bids, we moved that to 100% market share. And then last year, changed the name of Carlton to Wide Eye Media, which is its current name. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of a, a whistle-stop tour through the uh, through the years. It's, it's a fascinating story. And how do you um, evaluate then? You obviously had some big choices to make along the way. <clears throat> how do you evaluate some of these 
um, opportunities because they all seem like uh, no-brainers in retrospect but at the time obviously there were big risks oh yeah some of them were um, very big risks well I guess you know there's no shortcut you know you have to the first thing you you, you, you work out is is there a gap in the market that's the easy part then the difficult part is working out is there a market in the gap um, and that is where a lot of people come unstuck and where we've occasionally come unstuck as well um, you know you're correct that there was a gap but there wasn't much money in the gap mm -hmm. ICANN was a good case in point you know we, we knew there was nobody else doing digital advertising in Ireland so let's be the first but we were too early mm -hmm. so um, I think you do a business plan there's no shortcut you've got to start putting down numbers um, and the more intelligent the numbers are, are the less risk you're taking the more research based your analysis before you start spending money uh, the less likely you are to make mistakes but ultimately there has to be um, just the occasional leap of faith mm -hmm. you know you can't set up a business without taking a risk you know that's what being you know an investor in a small business. Yeah. Another, th another thing that's probably important is um, the more background knowledge you have of a sector, the less likely you are to fuck up. Um, you know, I, I know nothing about the pub business, so I'm highly unlikely to ever buy a pub. Um, it would probably cost me an awful lot of money to work out how little I knew about running a pub. Um, I was lucky back in the early days in radio that people backed me when I didn't have a track record and I made a lot of serious mistakes and they continued to back me and I was lucky they did. Eventually I got my head around it and gave them a success. But I guess everything I've done to some degree relies on prior experience. The one common thread is the ad business. You know, Every single thing I do is one way or another dependent upon the advertising industry. Which is good when the ad industry is uh, doing well. It wasn't necessarily great over the last uh, six or seven years. But at least I'm bringing some relevant know-how into each new transaction. Mm -hmm. Not complete know-how. Uh, I didn't know how to run a digital sales company. But I didn't know how to sell advertising. And I did know the people in the Irish ad industry. Mm -hmm. um, so I was probably in a better position to ask intelligent people the intelligent questions and learn fast than if I launch myself into a whole new sector. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people with this romantic notion about setting up a cafe or a little, little cafe or a bar and it'll be great, and, whereas they may not know nothing about cafes or bars and it's that... Um, well, I, th I think you, you can occasionally get away with it. The important thing is to understand how little you understand. Mm -hmm. um, arrogance and cockiness and conviction that you're right in a new sector is the surest way to lose all your money um, so what I would think is yeah you know you can successfully launch yourself into a new industry but you need to wear your L plate with pride and be prepared to ask lots and lots of questions and be somewhat humble and accept that people who are in the business before you they've forgotten more than you, than you know mm. um, and then you can probably scrape through but it's I think one of the most common things is people look into a sector or an industry from the point of view of being a customer of that industry and think they know that business. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, you know, for the last 20 odd years, I've had people bending my ear about uh, how to run radio stations. And what you should do is you should, there should be a sports radio station in Dublin and there should be a whatever radio station. And um, they don't understand the business and, and it's actually wearisome having to try and give them the ladybird guide to uh, what is, after all, a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I think one of the surest ways to lose money is to be an enthusiast who then decides to follow your enthusiasm with money. Mm-hmm. You're less likely to be driven by business motives and more likely to be driven by your own personal tastes, and that's very dangerous. So you've um, so you studied marketing, but obviously you've done a lot of uh, work on the, the business and accounts and finance, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially going into to set to well, rescue I, I, business. I also did actually small business management way way back in the day in University mm. of Limerick. So mm. that that gave me a pretty good mm. smattering. Yeah. And before I got into media, I was um, in management in the Switzer Group mm. in retailing. Um, uh, so. Yeah, at the age of 22, I was assistant general manager of Moons and Galway, which effectively meant I was HR manager for a staff of 120. So that was a good experience. Mm. Um, and um, in the mid-80s, I set up the original Virgin Megastore down in Aston mm. Quay. Uh, so again, I was running a business. Yeah. So, you know, you, you had to cover the full range of, mm. of, of disciplines. So, um, yeah, most of the stuff learned mm. on the hoof. But didn't you find that um, as you're a pioneer moving into new sectors, it's getting harder to find people to advise you of what's out there when you're just, it's it's so it's so new. But I know you, you do work with um, with a group of investors occasionally. Um, it's kind of like a like what I would describe as a mastermind group, where potentially where you work with the same people over a period of time, advising each other on business. Um, would that be? A reasonable uh, description, or it would, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the the investors who were who brought me into FM one four back in nineteen ninety one are still uh, we're, we're still a group. We call ourselves Vienna Investments, and um, most of those guys are still aboard, and we're we're friends, and we trust each other, and trust is important, um, and. We advise each other. We know each other well enough to know which advice can be trusted and which can't because we know the strengths and weaknesses of each of us. But sometimes it's still the blind leading the blind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you can collectively talk yourself into, into, into a mistake too. Mm. Um, but yeah, most of those guys, you know, are, have decades of experience behind them. And um, when you're playing with your own money, you tend to be very careful. I think it's it's um it's great to get that the other opinions and other you know skills on the team so it seems working really really well for you. Yep. Um, you seem to be at the centre of emerging trends and business sectors. How um, have you any ideas of other trends, future trends that are coming up um, that you think there might be opportunities in that you're that you might share with us or? Well, I'm not very good at at spotting. Um, what's coming next outside my own sector but it's not always that difficult to extend with a dotted line the line that you're currently on in your own business Mm. and see where it's going Um, 
you know, I see a convergence, for example, um, between the radio sector and digital, which will eventually transform radio. I mean, radio has proven to be enormously resilient mm. to the onward march of uh, the digital world. Radio listenership figures are still enormous. Irish people are among the highest consumers of radio uh, in minutes per day in Europe. 80 plus percent of Irish uh, uh, people over 15 listen to radio every single day. Um, very f precious, well, relatively few of them listen to it on a digital device. The vast majority are still listening to it on an FM device. Um, and radio certainly has the advantage that it's intrusive. It's probably the only media you can consume while you do something else. You know, very hard to browse a website while you're driving your car, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, or while you're ironing a shirt, or while you're sitting, while you're lying in the dark, you know. Uh, or jogging in another. Or jogging, or, or whatever, you know. Um, so radio does have, have that unique characteristic. Um, I've been in the business long enough to hear about its imminent demise on several occasions. Home recording by cassette was going to kill radio. The Walkman was going to kill radio. The CD Walkman was going to kill radio. Then the iPod was definitely going to kill radio. And of course, the iPod just turned out to be another Walkman. That's all it was. Just a bloody great big Walkman. Um, and now Spotify is going to kill radio. Um, and all of that has proven to be untrue, and I believe it will remain untrue. But... That's not to say that radio will remain uh, um, immune. What I think is going to happen, but it's going to take a lot of technological development by the um, telephone networks to make this happen. And I say that because one of the things that's quite shocking is I got my first mobile phone in 1991, a great big brick that left one, one side of your jacket up under your chin and the other one down near, near your, your knee. Um, and I'm losing as many telephone calls today in 2015 as I did in 1991. And that's truly shocking. That's a disgrace. Now, if they can ever get, reach a point where, um, where cellular coverage can take you reasonably comfortably in an Irish context, say coast to coast, uh, without breakdown, then it stands to reason that cars in particular um, will lose their radios but you're going to, I mean you already have touch screen uh, sorry touch screens in, in a lot of cars that's going to become standard you're going to find more and more of the controls of your car migrate into this device it's going to be a lot cheaper than having switches and knobs and stems and dials and things um, and one way that the car manufacturers can save money is get rid of the CD player and, uh, and radio, and instead you simply download the app to your favorite radio station onto the device in your dashboard, and you listen to FM 104 by just touching the screen. That's gonna mean that radio stations that are currently licensed for a single county are going to be audible, well, as they are now on the internet, if, you, if you're into you know, online listening, uh, on a global basis but it means you can continue listening to a Dublin radio station all the way to Mayo. Um, 
smart technology will be built in which will mean that the advertising that's served up to you will probably be different to the advertising served up to me because they will know stuff about you and they mm. will have you'll have been pigeonholed and categorized exactly yeah. as happens in digital advertising mm. i think that will happen with radio advertising as well and it'll also know where you are so the fact that you may be a dubliner but you're driving through or more on the way into galway city um, will make you a perfect candidate for an audio ad for a hotel in Galway um, or maybe the car knows that you're going to run out of fuel in, in the next 20 miles mm. so it'll tell you there's an apple green service station coming up uh, ahead and by the way they have a special deal of a coffee mm. and a Danish pastry for two quid or whatever mm-hmm. so that kind of personalised targeted advertising which is available in the uh, uh, on the web and available on mobile, I think that will become available to my old sector radio. Mm. But to do that, you need reliable wireless networks, and they're not there yet. Mm. So that's what I think will happen. Sure. Yeah, that, um, but of course, that could be a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> that sounds uh, sounds on the money to me. Uh, and suppose one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you um, so much in this podcast, the very first podcast, mm-hmm. is that you've such a a wealth of experience in lots of different media in the last number of years. Have you listened to podcasts or much, or um, have, what do you think about podcasts' role in that description? Do you just, just um, I I have. Um, I find that it, it, it's a little bit labour intensive. Um, maybe because I'm a radio guy, I like the immediacy of uh, uh, of live radio. Um, I guess podcast is simply a time shift of uh, of live radio. Um, like audio on demand, pretty much. It's audio on demand. Yeah, yeah. you know, it is just another just another medium within a medium. Yeah. You know, there's nothing enormously new about it. Um, I think w- w- one of the things, one of the big changes over the last twenty odd years is that people are now consuming audio and video through a myriad of delivery platforms and devices, whereas 20 odd years ago, you probably had your telly and your radio and some kind of a sound system. Mm. And that was it. Um, Whereas the devices that have been coming out for the last 20 years are multifunctional devices. I mean, a smartphone is probably the greatest example in history of a multifunctional mm-hmm. device. I mean, what is it? It's a thing that you can do millions of things on. Mm-hmm. Lots of them not yet invented. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and what about social media? Um, what's, what's your opinion on that? Do you think it's just a fad or is it something that no, impacts not, no, on your businesses? No, it, it's, it's not a fad. It is, um, it is most definitely a new frontier. It's, it's here to stay. Um, I question whether individual companies like Facebook can remain as dominant over the long haul as they are now. Um, apart from anything else, you know, some of these companies are getting big enough that surely at some point they're going to face a possible breakup by regulators because of their, uh, the amount of power that, that, that they wield. Um, no, I think social media overall is a force for good, it allows people um, remain in contact with a far broader swathe of acquaintances and friends than could be done in the real world. Um, 
But I also think that uh, one of the growing problems is that um, we're getting so much stuff social media at us that um, an increasing amount of it is rubbish that the um, ex customer experience may diminish over time or there will be new opportunities for platforms that actually give you what you consider relevant mm -hmm. as opposed to what an advertising platform decides mm. yeah. you should consider relevant. Better filtering systems are Yeah, required. better filtering systems, exactly. Yeah. 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 There's um, filter failure at the moment and there's so much coming through. Uh, when you, I suppose as part of your work life, do you um, follow any particular magazines or websites or do you read any, have you found any books that are really have inspired you in your career? Um, I'm a heavy reader anyway, but probably not really business related. Um, yeah, there's one book that I, I bought from my entire management team in FM 104. I've bought it for lots of people since then. It's somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it's actually a brilliant read. It is called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Brackets, ignore them at your peril. <laughs> it's written by two guys, one of whom I, I always remember because it's, the, it's, it, it's not a surname you come across every day. His name is Trout, as in the fish. Mm -hmm. um, now, I've been told the book has been upgraded in recent years to take into account the cyber economy and the digital world. And I've been told that that's not th that you should stick with the original version oh, okay. of it. Um, it's basically 22 very clever rules, and if you follow them, setting up a business, you're less likely to screw up mm. by following the rules. Great, I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, and by the way, it's only 80 pages long and, Perfect. and riddled with cartoons, yeah. um, and it's written in a kind of a humorous style. So you'll, you know, you'll read it in a couple of hours, and uh, it is absolutely solid gold all the way through. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. excellent. Um, so just finishing up, what do you do when you're not working so hard? How do you relax and take your mind off work? Spend time with my kids, play golf, go to Portugal, drink at the local with my, my pals. Yeah, and, that's, and that's read, read some fiction, is it? No, no, I'm a history buff. History, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, I devour history. Yeah. yeah. Very large amounts of it. Great. So, um, and what's the future then for, for Dermot? I could, like I told you, I'm only good at history. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, most of the things I've done over the last 20 years, I couldn't have predicted them 12 months before I did them. So, um, I don't know. I mean, my plans are to continue to run the businesses that I'm involved in and... Um, try to make them as successful as I can. Um, opportunities have a habit of arising. Mm. You tend to stumble across opportunities from time to time. I'd like to think there will be further opportunities over the next 10 years that I'll get an opportunity to exploit. Um, I'm looking at one or two at the moment, but nothing that I can really talk about. Um, so yeah, I th I th hopefully there'll be a couple of more chapters Great. 
Well, I look forward to, to reading them. Uh, thank you. So thank you, Dermot. It's been really, really uh, fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. And Pleasure. I'll hopefully talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks for that. Enjoyed thank that. You. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat. Please subscribe for future episodes and check out selfmakers.com. Bye for now.